Come on, let's honor the Lord one more time, Faith Church. God bless you guys, man. You can have a seat. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, man, it's great to have everybody here today. Thanks so much for being here. My name is Steve Husky, lead pastor here at Faith Church. For all of our Faith Church family here in Florence, it's good to see you. Can we show some love and welcome our Faith Church family in Lawrenceburg and in the Shoals? Great to have you guys. Everybody else watching online, thanks so much for showing up. Hey, listen, before we jump into the message today, uh, I just want to issue a challenge, want to cast a little vision. We made a decision several years ago to be a Kingdom Builders Church. What that means is we were, have been intentional, but we wanted to go to another level of intentionality of being a church that is generous and gives beyond our boundaries. One of our four core values as a church is to reach. We believe God's called us to reach this world, to make sure that everybody hears the good news of Jesus. And we do that right here in our backyard. In fact, part of our um, Faith Loves Initiative, which I would encourage you all to participate in, just through random acts of kindness, just through good deeds, we really can make a difference in our local community. But through our Kingdom Builders Initiative, we have partnered with all kinds of incredible ministries right here in the state of Alabama, around this nation, and all around this world, people who are making a difference. Uh, If you were here last week, you uh, got introduced to uh, Kevin Weaver, who's the director of Warriors, uh, Warriors Journey. How many people were here last week and saw that? Just an incredible ministry. Just We have found out that there are a lot of our soldiers who are serving, who are hurting. Again, he shared just one rate that stuck out to me, that 91% of our Navy SEALs go through divorce. A lot of them going through post-traumatic stress, a lot of issues. And this ministry is making a difference. In fact, it is so clear the difference they're making. You heard Kevin say it last week that the Department of Defense, our government, is hiring this ministry to bring faith into these institutions. I mean, I just think that's incredible. You can't close the door on God. And so not just the warrior's journey, but doing other ministries, participating in people that are making a difference this past week, we got to serve and sit with a group called um, Calcutta Ministries. Calcutta Mercy Ministries, obviously a station in Calcutta, India, one of the poorest parts of the world. And because of your generosity, because you give to Kingdom Builders, not only are you helping a warrior's journey, but every single day in Calcutta, there's a feeding program feeding the hungry. There is a 100% free hospital that was built that's operating there, that's serving the sick every single day. There is a nursing college that's raising up uh, people to find some kind of calling. There's a pastor school that we've established through our Kingdom Builder Partners that's raising up pastors in the ministry. I'm just telling you, if you are already giving, giving to Kingdom Builders, your generosity is bringing hope and light and joy and peace and very practically meeting needs and bringing the love of Jesus. Come on, somebody. So our goal every year as a church, we set a goal, what it is that we want to do. Our goal this year is $700,000. To date, we have given about a half a million dollars to our Kingdom Builder partners because of your generosity. So here's what I want to do is I just want to issue a challenge uh, between now In December 11th, December 11th is our capstone offering. On the way in, you were given an envelope. If you're watching online, you can do this uh, at our website, igotofaith.com. But I wanna encourage everybody who calls Faith Church home to get on board and to bring your very best offering Sunday, December 11th, and we're gonna close the gap in the $200,000 we have remaining. Now, every year we make pledges to our partners. This is the minimum we're gonna do. 
And if, if, uh, if our people are generous, we're gonna be more generous. So for example, there's a ministry we give $2,500 a month to. We told them if the rest of our goal comes in, we're gonna send you another $10,000 check. So will you help us reach our goal? If you already give, thank you so much for financing the ministry of this house. Come on, give yourselves a hand. We can't do what we do without you. If you already give, help us push the goal. Let's reach the line together with this capstone offering. If you've never given, this is a great time to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith Church. So everybody pray, everybody consider what you can give above and beyond, bring it back, your very best offering, Sunday, December 11th. We wanna do this capstone offering, we wanna finish it out, amen? Come on. I'm excited, man, what we get to be a part of. It's awesome. Well, listen, as we jump into this, this uh, week two of a series we started last week, the conversation we're having is gambling with God. We started last week just talking about this idea that you know there's people in this world that gamble. There's lots of gambling statistics, but what we found out is that all of us gamble because life is a gamble. Every single day when you wake up and you make decisions, you really are gambling because there's always something at risk. And so the challenge in week one was if you're going to gamble, and we do, let's gamble on God. Let's put all of our faith, his house rule, number one house rule is faith, that he wants us to trust him, to believe that what he has for us is the best, and that you can go all in on serving Jesus. And today we're going to continue this conversation. I'm excited what I believe the Lord wants to speak to us. Um, when I was, I think I just graduated high school, class of 90, right, class of 90 people here. Anybody? Let's go. Y'all really excited about class of 90? Some of you are like, I was not even alive. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> class of 1990, baby. I graduated. And uh, some of you guys know some of my testimony. I'd wrecked about six cars from the time I was 16 to 18, just making lots of bad decisions and uh, leaving carnage in my path. And so uh, the last car I was driving just wasn't really nice because I had wrecked my previous several. And so I finally saved up enough money that I wanted to get a new ride. And so I went through a newspaper. It's these large pieces of paper that you open up and go through the one ads, go through the sales ads. And I was looking for cars that I wanted to buy. And after I went through all the cool ones that I couldn't afford, I finally found a car that I thought was pretty cool. It was a 1986 Buick Skyhawk. And I decided I was going to go get a new whip. I was going to get a new ride. I was fired up. So I went to my dad. And I asked my dad if he would go with me. He was a can-fix-anything kind of guy, car mechanic kind of guy. I wanted him to come look it over, make sure I was getting a good car. And also, I wanted him to do the haggling. You, you do the haggling. So he decides he's going to go with me. We get in the car. We're driving to the dealership where this red, I didn't say red, but red, every cool car was red in the 90s. 1986 Buick Skyhawk. And so on our way there, I'll never forget, my dad looks at me. He says, now listen, don't let the car salesman know you want this car. We're just here to look like, don't let them know, put your poker face on, is what my dad was saying. So we roll up in the dealership and I'm telling you, I am stone cold Steve. Like they're not gonna know I'm, like, I'm interested in this car. So I have like, <laughs> I heard that you have a 1986 Buick Skyhawk here. I might be interested. And so the salesman, he goes, he says, yeah, we have one. Let me pull it around. And so I'm trying to like have this poker face that I don't want this car that I already know I want. And soon as he rolls it around the corner, <laughs> I smiling so big, you can see my wisdom teeth. <laughs> and like, I knew I wanted this car. And I remember he rolled it around and he like revved the engine, the four cylinder engine. 
like this little lawnmower engine. But in the, everybody knows this. If you came from the 90s, the only thing that matters about your car in the 90s is that it's got to have nice wheels and it's got to have a nice radio. Come on, if you got a nice wheels or a nice radio, that's all that matters. And so as soon as this car salesman pulled, he knew he had me. He was able to read me so easy. He knew I was going to buy this car. Rev the engine, he gets out. He says, uh, he says, I don't know if you've noticed, but this is the first year they put the racing wheels on him. I was like, oh, I noticed. I noticed. He gets in, he turns the radio up. Come on, 16 by nine Alpine. Come on, anybody 16 by nine Alpine? It had a booming system in it. I was sold. I couldn't quit smiling. My dad's trying to find little scratches in the paint to get the price down. Man, I was paying full price for that car. <laughs> because, everybody hear this, because the salesman was able to read me. He was able to see the expression on my face that I wanted that car and I was going to walk away with that car. He had me right where he wanted me. Now, the reason I share that story is because all of us have opponents in life and we're having this conversation gambling with God when you decide to gamble, when you are at a poker table, not suggesting you get on one, but everybody listen to this. When you gamble, when you gamble, last week we said this, that ultimately we should all gamble on God by making God honoring risks. But when you gamble, you always have an opponent. You always have an opponent. You're not the only one sitting at life making decisions as you make life decisions and faith decisions and relationship decisions and money decisions. As you make decisions, there's an opponent at the table. Here's what I want you to hear about opponents in general, is that opponents can either beat you with their better hand or they can bluff you out of your better hand. So when you're sitting at the table with somebody, either they know they have a better hand or they're gonna try to convince you you don't have a better hand. And the opponent I wanna talk about today I recognize is a challenging conversation. The person I want to talk about that you have an opponent and I have an opponent is this person called the devil. Now, I recognize that there's a lot of people in this room, a lot of people watching online, and you probably have been in church and you've heard messages on Satan. You've heard messages. You probably have read scriptures on the devil. And I want to be honest. It's easy to hear this conversation and discount it out of hand pretty quick. Like you might even say, well, I, you know, man, I, th I think I believe there's a devil, but it's just very easy to live life as if he doesn't matter. And what I want to talk about today is that you have a real spiritual opponent in the game of life. Every single day, obedience is a gamble. As you gamble on serving Jesus, as you gamble on living this life to the full, you have a real spiritual opponent that's talked about from Genesis to Revelation, cover to cover, book to book. He is outlined and defined so you and I can be aware that we have an opponent. Everybody say an opponent. You have an opponent. I have an opponent. We have an opponent. Jesus, if you follow his ministry, you'll find that he didn't, he didn't blame everything on the devil. Everything's not the devil's problem or fault. It could be yours by making bad decisions. But at the same time, he did recognize while not everybody sick was because of the devil, some people struggling was because of the devil. He recognized that some of the battles people were having, that it wasn't physical, it wasn't relational, it wasn't emotional, but some of the struggles that people face was spiritual, which means some of the things you're going through are just physical. Some of it is cultural. Some of it is financial. But some of the challenges that you and I face on a daily basis is spiritual because we have a spiritual opponent. In fact, Jesus, when he had conversations and he showed up as the Messiah, thousands of years of prophecies declaring that this Savior would come. 
Jesus shows up on the scene. He is the prophesied Messiah. And the religious teachers, the ones at that day who should have recognized him the quickest, that's him, couldn't see him. And Jesus said, the reason you can't see I am who I said I am is because you're underneath the influence of your father, the devil. So again, Jesus just, he recognized it. I'm just telling you, I just go with Jesus. So Jesus taught that you had an opponent. Here's what he said in John chapter 10, verse 10. Let's read this together. Every voice, every campus. Come on, read. The thief's purpose is to, and, and, one more time. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and to destroy. And so Jesus clearly was aware and clearly taught us as his disciples that we have a spiritual opponent. Jesus wasn't the only one. The apostle Paul, he taught over and over and over again about this spiritual opponent, that as you gamble on the game of life, you're facing a spiritual opponent. He said this in Ephesians chapter six, verse 11. Paul said it this way. Every voice, come on, let's read it. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all of who? All the strategies of who? Now listen, this is what he's saying. He's saying like, you need to be aware you need to have an awareness there really is a devil. It's weird, I know, but it's real. You need to have an awareness that you have an opponent and your opponent has a strategy to take you out. Now, when you hear that again, I, I write, there's just a, we just live in a culture. Some of you are reductionists. Like you're just simple people and like this idea that there's an invisible realm and there's a spiritual opponent. You may not be buying in. Sometimes you don't need just a biblical message. All you need is a rearview mirror. Because I can tell you every single one of us in this room have a season in our life, a decision in our life, something that we walk through in the rearview of our life where we look back now, we're like, how did I ever think that was okay? How did I ever believe that? How, come on, anybody look back on a season in your life and you can say, I don't even, what was I smoking? Because some of you were smoking. Come on, don't, don't play like that in church. But you look back and while you were in it, it made perfect sense. While you were doing it, you were all in. But now you look back in the rear view mirror of your life and think, I, I don't know how I believe that. How did I ever buy that? How did I ever convince myself it's okay? Why? And we don't just see it in ourselves. Have you ever recognized how easy it is to see in a friend's life the decision they're making, how bad it is and they can't see it? How is it that we go through seasons of life that feel good in the moment, but it's a miss. Or our friends, we can see them making mistakes and it's so clear. What's, where's that coming from? What explains that? Here's the way Proverbs says it. Listen to this, describing those seasons. It says, there is a path before each person that, everybody say those two words, that seems right, feels right, I got warm goosebumps. My heart tells me it's the right thing to do. I asked social media and I got lots of feedback that this is what I should do. This is who I should date. This is the direction. It seems right. Have you ever made a decision that seems right? But notice, watch this, but it ends in, which means you can be on a path that looks good, feels good and has warm fuzzies, but the end of it is death, which means it wasn't God's plan because Jesus came to bring life, which means you can be in a season that, that again, it, it feels good. Well, how did you get there? How did you arrive there? It's because you have a real spiritual opponent that wants to lie to you, wants to twist what you're seeing. He wants to take your appetites and he wants to make it and rob you. He wants to take your decisions and he wants to bring destruction. He wants to bring addiction. That's his game plan. That's 
that's his goal, is to try to work in our life as our spiritual opponent. And again, you don't have to take my word for it. But I think you should go with Jesus. I think you should go with Paul. I think if you're paying attention, you should just go with your own history because you've seen it and I've seen it, that it's easy to find ourselves in a season where we're convinced it's right only to end up wrong because all of us have been beaten by the enemy one time or another. Anybody here ever lose a game? Come on. This is part of our journey. Now, here's the good news. I just want to tell you this. I said in the beginning that our opponent, opponents in general, they either want to beat us or they want to bluff us. Now, I want to give you some really good news. The good news is the enemy can't beat you outright. You've been given a better hand in Jesus. Come on, somebody. If you're in a fight, if you're in a struggle, if you're in a season you don't know how to get out of, I want to give you good news today that the victory is yours through Jesus. That's who we are. You have been dealt the best hand you can be dealt. You've been dealt that you are saved by grace. You are filled with his presence. Come on, your name is written in his book. You are engraved in the palm of his hand. You belong to Jesus forever and ever. We are sons and daughters of the most high God. We are citizens of heaven. Come on, somebody. You ought to give God praise because the devil can't beat you outright. You might feel like tapping out. Don't. You may feel overwhelmed. You're not. Listen, God is 100% on your side. There are some, so many great verses. Let me just give you a couple of them. When the devil's trying to beat you, he does not have a better hand. You always, every day you wake up as children of God, you always have the better hand. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter six, having done all to stand, you can stand therefore. Everybody know that. Listen, you're not getting knocked off the mountain again. You can stand in Jesus. First John 4, 4 says this, greater is he that's in me, greater is he that's in us than he who's in the world. Paul said it this way, 1 Corinthians 15. He said, I thank my God always who always gives me the victory in Christ Jesus. Romans says this, Paul said this. He said, uh, if God is for us, who can be against us? Come on, everybody say I'm a winner. You might have a fight and you might have an opponent, but you are a winner in Christ. But, there's always a notorious but, isn't there? Like, Pastor, wait a minute. You're telling me I'm a winner, but why is it sometimes I find myself in the path that seems right? You're telling me I'm always winning. How did I, how did I end up in this season? Because if the enemy can't beat you, he'll bluff you. If your spiritual opponent can't beat you outright, which he can, what he tries to do is he tries to bluff you. Now, where's all my poker players at? Have you ever played poker? Wave at me. It's in church, it's okay. I'm mean, like, can I raise my hand? Is that okay? Now, I didn't say if you're gambling your life savings and you don't tie, then you're a tunic every week. And I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about like <laughs> different conversation. Wait, wait, if, you ever, if you ever played some poker, just with a little bit, right? matchsticks, pennies, okay. <laughs> Lawrence Bergen Scholes, it's literally 80% of the crowd, I'm concerned. <laughs> really high, really high stats here. So this might disappoint you to know this, but let's talk about the bluff. The bluff because that's what the enemy does. The bluff is when an opponent tries to convince you, you don't have the winning hand. You can't win. That's the bluff. The bluff is when your opponent recognizes, I can't win with my hand, so my goal is to get you to believe you can't win with your hand. That's the bluff. Probably about a year ago, I don't remember, I had some of our pastors and leaders at my house uh, playing poker. Just take a deep breath. <laughs> weren't playing with church tie, weren't even betting bet with real money, it's plastic chips. But some of you guys know my competitive nature, and at some point in the game, I was way up. I think I had people call me Fat Stack Steve. I'm not sure. In my mind, that was the name I was hearing. And so every hand at this point, Pastor Ryan at this point is my biggest competitor, and every single hand, I'm bluffing this fool. 
Like every card I get, I'm like, oh yeah. Flip another card. Oh. And every hand, like he just folded and folded and folded. Like I bluffed him every hand until he was straight out of chips. If we were playing strip poker, he wouldn't have had socks on. I mean, I just took everything from him. And it's not because I had the better hand. It's because I convinced him he couldn't win. It's because I convinced him he had the lose. It didn't matter what he seen. I convinced him. I bluffed him into believing that he couldn't win with his hand. Now, I'll just tell you the end of that entire game was Ty won it all, which is why he's not been back to my house since then. Sure way not to be invited back is to beat me in my own house. But have you ever been bluffed before? See, because again, that is the strategy of our enemy. Did you know that the devil is built for the bluff? It's in his genetic nature. It's in the makeup of who he is. Jesus said he is the father of lies. The word Satan in scripture, it's, it's direct translation is a deceiver. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's a bluffer. He can't beat you outright. The only thing he can do is to bluff you into believing that the hand God dealt you is a losing hand. Throw it in. You can't win. That's the goal of the enemy. And so every time you find yourself in a season where you, did, you shouldn't have been there, you shouldn't have gone that way, you shouldn't have dated them, you shouldn't have made that decision, it's because the enemy convinced you, don't trust God, don't gamble on God, I got the winning hand, you don't, throw it in. The enemy wants to bluff you. And the reason I know that is because it's clearly what scripture teaches. Watch this, in 2 Corinthians Listen to what Paul says again, describing this person called our opponent. He says, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Well, how? How, how are we going to lose our devotion to Jesus? He says this, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Let me tell you what he's talking about. The apostle Paul is looking all the way back to creation and he's saying that God dealt Adam and Eve a winning hand. Yes, I'm a card shark. Don't bet me you will lose. About to show off my skills here. Oh, I just bridged him. If you noticed, I wasn't even looking. You go back to creation and God made everything perfect. He gave what... It's easy for us to see now was a winning hand. He dealt Adam and Eve, a perfect man, married to a perfect woman that had a perfect relationship with a perfect God in a perfect creation. I mean, that's a winning hand. If you are a gambler, you know God dealt Adam and Eve the royal straight flush. How did they throw it in? How did we get up, end up where we are? It's because Paul says that Satan slithered into the garden and said, you don't have the winning hand. I know it looks like you have a winning hand. You don't. God kept the winning hand from you. And you remember the story that Satan slipped in and said, hey, God said you can't eat from this tree. What the devil wants to do is to convince you that God is keeping something from you. There are some things off limits. There are some things out of bounds. It's because you have a good God that knows if you go down that path, the end is death. And the reason God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden, you say, well, why would God do that? It's because love can only exist in an environment of choice. Without choice, we're forced to love God. And if you're forced to love God, that's not love. 
But when you choose in the face of temptation to do the right thing, that's how we demonstrate our love for Christ. And so God gives Adam and Eve, this is actually a pretty good hand right here. I'm bluffing you, I got nothing. I got absolutely nothing. But tempted Adam and Eve with a perfect, or gave Adam and Eve a perfect hand. Satan came in and said, that's not the winning hand. God's holding something back. Throw in that hand so you can win. That's the operation of the enemy is to bluff you out of the winning hand. Some of you in this room, and I've seen this so many times, God has blessed you with an amazing family. And you, you're not perfect. You're not, a, you're not a perfect person. And you're not married to a perfect spouse, but you found someone who loves you, who will tolerate you. That's a win, by the way. You don't, have to, you don't have to do life alone. You get to wake up with somebody by your side and God blessed you with a home and God blessed you with a couple kids. And I'm just telling you, there are lots of people that would love the hand you've been dealt. And maybe you're looking at it, you're like, it's a winning hand until the enemy comes along. And what does the enemy do? If he can't beat you, he will bluff you. Well, that's not a winning hand. That girl right there, baby, whoo, that's a winning hand. Throw that hand in, you can't win with that hand. What about that guy? You've not seen him since high school and you just reconnected on social media and the butterflies you used to feel walking down the hallway, you feel them all over again in your 40s. That's the winning hand. And I have seen marriage after marriage after marriage fold because we keep buying the bluff of the enemy. Some of you, man, you have a pretty incredible business. You went to school and you got your degree and somewhere along the line, you started a small business or you joined a business and you're going well. And you're looking at, I'm not, I'm not saying you couldn't make more money, but you're looking at the hand and it's a pretty good hand. God always deals a winning hand until the enemy slips in and tries to convince you to fold your hand. Well, the only way, that's not a winning hand. The only way you can have a winning hand is you got to fudge some numbers. You got to lie on some contracts. If you're in the car industry, it's about to get tough. If you're in the housing market, it's going to get tough. And the temptation is going to be that you're going to have to make some fudges and you're going to have to, you're going to, have to do some character things that really aren't up to the caliber of Christ, but that's what you have to do to win. Why? Because it's the enemy saying you can't win with the hand God's given you. Character is the winning hand. Ethics is the winning hand. Morality is the winning hand. Following Jesus is the winning hand. Walking in the light is the winning hand. Come on, somebody. Don't fold the hand God gave you. Don't let the enemy tell you that you need to lay it down. Don't allow him to bluff you into walking away from your call. Listen, come on. Do you know how many pastors I've seen over the years still today? And they don't have the biggest church, but God bless them with a church and an opportunity to love people and to preach the gospel and they're married and they have kids and they got a winning hand and they throw it all away. Do you know how many, how many ministries I've seen abandoned and broken because pastors listen to the bluff of the enemy? I'm just telling you, some of you need reminder that you are blessed. God did grace you. You are anointed. Listen, don't fold what God's given you because the enemy's lied to you. Don't fold your call. Don't fold your purpose. Don't fold your obedience. Don't get bluffed out of the game of life. Trust that God's on your side. We have victory in him and stop letting the devil lie to us in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. And every time you fold, every time you say, I, 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 I just don't trust this hand, the devil's got something else. You don't believe it, but something else is better. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to follow this person. I'm, I'm not going to keep myself from marriage. I'm, I, I got to lower my standards to find somebody. I don't want to be alone. So I got to lower my, every time you do that, you're buying the bluff of the enemy. And every time you buy the bluff, you lose some chips. You know what your chips are? Every time you lose a hand, 
The chips you lose are chips of confidence, chips of peace, chips of hope, chips of our testimony. Every time you throw it in, every time you stop following, every time you find yourself in a place that seems right, but the end is death, every time we buy the bluff of the enemy, it costs us something. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to lose. Now, again, I hear you guys are like, Pastor, come on out. I don't know if I really buy it, though. I want to read you one more scripture in 1 first, uh, first Peter. 1 first Peter chapter 5 says this. Every voice, every camp, let's read this aloud. Stay alert. What did he say? Look at the person next to you and tell them, stay alert. If they don't look alert, I don't do something to them. I don't know. <laughs> stay alert. Come on, read it. Watch out for your great enemy. Who? Who's your greatest enemy? It's not your mother-in-law. It's not your spouse. It's not your boss. It's not politics. It's not your governor. It's not your president. It's not your kids. It's not your neighbor. It's not the economy. Your greatest enemy is who? Who is it? Pastor, I don't know if I buy that. I can't. You can't be helped if you refuse to see that you have an opponent. So Peter says, hey, stay alert. Don't lose track. Don't forget at the poker table of life, as you're trying to make decisions, the enemy's trying to convince you you have a losing hand. He prowls around like a roaring lion. Why? Read this with me. Looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against them and be strong in your faith. Stand firm against them and be strong in your faith. There's another term in gambling called a mark. Have you ever heard of the term a mark? A mark is when typically unscrupulous gamblers will see somebody come into a casino or come into an environment that they know they can take advantage of. Like that's the mark. That's the person I'm going to punk. That's the person I'm going to hustle. And people that operate that way will tell you that the greatest mark, the greatest person to take advantage of, do you know who it is? It's the person that doesn't believe there are marks or doesn't believe they could ever be a mark. It's the person who says, oh, there's nobody looking to take advantage of anybody. And if there is, I'm way too smart to be taken advantage of. You know, that's the same struggle we have as Christians. We either just don't believe the devil exists, or if he exists, he could never affect me. Like somehow we are beyond reach and you're not. Because his only bet, his best bet is the bluff. That's all he's got. So every time you can see yourself in a season where you went down the wrong path, it's because he bluffed you. It's because he deceived you. And it's, it's happened to all of us. But the hope is we don't have to keep being the mark. If we'll know we have an opponent and beware our opponent's best bet is the bluff. He's trying to lie to us. He's trying to deceive us. He's trying to trick us. That's how we win. That's how we win. Every temptation comes with the risk of devastation. Every time we're tempted, every time the enemy tries to twist the truth, the end is always the same. The end is always death. It's always some kind of devastation. What the enemy wants to do is he wants to show you the potential and he wants to hide the price. Come on, man. If you go this way, if you go that direction, if you make that choice, baby, it's going to pay off. He wants you to see the payoff. He doesn't want you to see the price. If Adam and Eve would have known what was at risk and what they were about to lose, she'd have never made the bet. He'd have never made the bet. So I want to give you three words as we close. Because how do we avoid these seasons? How do we 
If we're in a season, maybe you're in a season today, maybe you're in, the, in a situation right now where the enemy's been lying to you, how do you know? I'll give you three words. I want you to write these down real quick. Deception, division, and destruction. Deception, division, and destruction. And here's three really simple questions you can ask based on those three words. If you're sitting at the table of life, as you're getting ready to make a decision or you're making a decision, here's three questions you need to ask yourself to not go for the bluff. Number one, deception. Because the enemy's a liar, the first question you need to ask is, is what I'm thinking and what I'm believing, is it true? Is it biblically true? Is it God's word true? So it's easy to convince ourselves something is true, but you align it with God's word, is it really true? Because if it's a lie, it's gonna end in a bad way. Number one question, deception, is what I'm currently believing, is it true? You can convince yourself or be convinced of a lot of things that are a lie if you let yourself. Ask a question, is this true? Number two, division. Everybody say division. What will this divide me from? If you, if you go down this path, if you buy the lie, if you follow the direction you wanna go, is it gonna divide you from potentially your marriage? Is it gonna divide you from church? Come on. Is it gonna divide you from good friends? Is it gonna divide your family? If, I'm just telling you, God is about relationship. The greatest thing God does is build a relationship with him and a relationship with each other. And if it's gonna cost you significant relationships, it may not be God. Deception, division, and destruction. What will this decision ultimately cost me? What will this decision ultimately cost me? Is it true? What will it divide me from? What will this cost me? If you'll process those questions, you'll find yourself not falling for the bluff of the enemy. So as I close today, I wanna pray, because again, it, it was weird this whole week and even standing on this platform, sometimes I can, I don't know how to explain this, as a pastor, like I can just sense, you guys are like, you're buying it. You can sense like when, when God's word is going into people's hearts. Jesus said the word of God is like a seed that goes into the hearts of people and brings a harvest of life change. As a pastor, sometimes standing up here, I can watch people's eyes and you can see like light come on, like the revelation, like, yes, I see that. In this message, just this week coming into it and standing on this platform, even standing here, it just feels like some of us are like, eh, I don't know if I buy it. I mean, pastor, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, 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 the bluff. But if you're not careful, you're just gonna walk out and just think you're sitting at the table alone and you don't have an opponent. And if you're not aware of your opponent, you're in trouble. And so I just wanna pray for all of us, including me, that we would just have this real awareness that there's not only a God who wants to bless you. God has good plans for you. But you have a spiritual opponent that has awful plans for you. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So how I wanna pray as we close is God open our eyes. We all just pray that with prayer with me, Lord, open my eyes. At all of our campuses, right here in Florence, let's just pray that prayer out loud together. Lord, open our eyes. God, help us to see, Father, what we don't see. Help us to be aware of what we're not aware of. God, that we have a real spiritual enemy. We have a real opponent that really is wrestling against your blessing on our life, really is wrestling against our relationship with you, really is wrestling with what you're trying to accomplish in and through us. 
So Holy Spirit, I pray over all of us, including myself, God, make us more aware than we've been. Make us fight harder than we fought. And Lord, I pray like Paul said it, Lord, after we've done all we can to stand, we're gonna be standing in victory and in the path you have for us and in the purpose you called us to. Lord, I pray that over every family, every marriage, every business, every home, every school, in Jesus' name, over every opportunity God's given you, over everything God's called you to, over your ministry, in the name of Jesus, Lord, help us to not fall for the bluff of the enemy. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, let's give up a hand to God. Come on.